Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. The ISO with Dan Dickow and SB Live Sports, brought to you by the Believe Podcast Network, the number one podcast network for professionals. Dan Dickow, SB Live Sports. This is the ISO on the Believe Podcast Network, where we continue to bring you a conversation with an expert in the field of sports at any level. Could be high school, college, professional, coach, player, executive. Today we've got a great guest, somebody who was a phenomenal athlete. They are a good coach becoming a great with aspirations to its to someday run his own program. Uh, none other than Gonzaga assistant coach Roger Powell Jr. Coach, how is life for you and your family as you're getting close to entering year two in Spokane and Gonzaga? Oh, man, it's been great, you know. I mean, obviously, this year it's been different. I'm sitting here with my son right now, you know, <laughs> uh, you know, with the coronavirus and not being able to, you know, be in practice with the guys and not be able to play in a tournament, you know, that has been interesting. But at the same time, you know, being able to get used to Spokane and have my family really dive into the community and the city now, has that's made it easier. So, you know, it's, it's, it's going well. You know, I look forward to getting back on the court. I look forward to things kind of becoming normal again. But at the same time, you know, just really enjoying this time at home and enjoying this time just basically you know, going for walks in Spokane and realizing how wonderful of an area this is, it's been pretty cool. I don't think the average fan realizes just how busy um, a college coach is and the, the time away from family that occurs not only from, you know, the November through the first week of April that everybody sees, but also the recruiting periods. So I can only imagine this has been a, a awesome chance for you to just get back, reconnect with your family, uh, and kind of just check a lot of those boxes that unfortunately for college coaches get missed throughout the season. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, and, and the cool thing is, you know, from a productivity standpoint and from a recruiting standpoint, we haven't really missed a beat. You know, we've been able to sign some really good quality players and, you know, it's just been Zoom and phone conversations and, you know, and that's been good because, you know, we haven't really, um, you know, we haven't gone back at all, you know, and as you hear my, my little baby in the background. Um, but with that being said, you know, this is the longest break I've had, you know, I mean, even since my playing career, like I, there's never been a time where I had to be at home for like three months, you know, it's been, it's been crazy. And, and in, in some ways, it's been a blessing after, you know, the initial shock of, you know, not being able to play in a tournament and not being able to do the things that us coaches do, grind and, and work hard. You mentioned you haven't had a break like this since your playing career really got, got started. You were a tremendous player in, uh, in Illinois as a high school player, went to Illinois, played in the Final Four. Doing a little bit of my background research on you before our conversation. Obviously, I've known each other. We've known each other for a while, but I didn't realize this until I, I saw it on, on 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 a story that I read. Your dad was a heck of a player. Is that where you found your passion for the game uh, growing up in Illinois? Absolutely. Um, you know, I think you know my dad taught me the game at a young age, and you know he was very well respected. You know, in Illinois, Chicagoland area, and um, 
you know, so growing up as a, as a young boy and back then my dad was playing in all those like Illinois State alumni games and he would always take me with him. And I can remember as a young child going to pick up games and he'd be playing with, um, you know, some pros, Craig Hodgers, um, you know, Corzine, a bunch of old guys that play with the Bulls and that's just from the Chicago area. Tim Hardaway, I can remember as, as a young child, they're playing pickup and Tim Hardaway gave me like some money and said, Hey, go get us some pops. And he let me keep the change, you know, just that's kind of how I grew up and, you know, seeing that and, you know, and then obviously, you know, having a passion for basketball and growing and it just, it just made it a natural transition for me. Um, and you know, I credit a lot of most of my basketball success and just my career and just what I'm doing now to just those foundational examples and experiences that my dad, you know, allow me to have yeah that's uh those are tremendous uh stories or memories that, that you touched on because i have a lot of those same memories playing in a portland pro-am uh or going and watching games growing up and it kind of really can set the path for a younger player like hey i can do this i want to do this i want to be in this environment you you fast forward you get to to illinois you play on a couple really good teams we actually played against each other. I believe it was your freshman year, my senior year, uh, 0-1, team. Um, what was it about Illinois that made you want to go to Illinois? Because I can only imagine you had a number of different opportunities. Well, let me, let me correct you. We didn't play against each other. You were on the court doing amazing things, and I was on the bench hoping to get in the game my freshman year. <laughs> I, remember you, I remember you guys came, man, and I, I just had all the most – respect for you and I me mean, obviously in our scout report like everything was kind of targeted towards how good of a player you were I mean you're a pro you know so I can remember when you came to town I was like man this guy can hoop and he's gonna be in the NBA and me as a freshman you know I'm just dreaming of getting my game to that level that you had um but with that being said man it was I mean Illinois for me was I mean it was a you know it was a, it was a natural progression I mean I got recruited by a lot of Big Ten schools, Michigan State, you know, Iowa, Wisconsin, Purdue. Gene Cady was recruiting back then. He was great. And then even Arizona, you know, some schools, you know, Notre Dame that were not in the Big Ten. But, you know, I think growing up in Illinois and, you know, my dad playing at Illinois State, and it just kind of it was just natural for me to want to represent, you know, my state at that time. And, uh, and I'm happy I did, man. I had an amazing career there and a great opportunity. And even to this day, like, when I go back home or when I'm recruiting in the area, just there's a level of respect and there's a level of like belonging, you know, that, that I have from growing up in Illinois, Chicago land area, and then representing my, my, my state at university of Illinois. And then, you know, being able to go to the national championship. I mean, it was, it was an experience that, you know, I'm happy I made the choice to stay home. I was going to ask you about that. <coughs> you have to play in a final four. Uh, you also played in the national title game, unfortunately. <coughs> You didn't win. You guys lost to North Carolina. But what was that experience like as a player? And does it now drive you as a coach to get back to the Final Four and be involved in it as a competitor and not as a spectator? Man, 100%. You know, I think, uh, first of all, it was a dream, you know. And going to Illinois my freshman year, I didn't play much. But then, you know, my sophomore, junior year, I was a starter and had a major role. Um, and in like, you know, all four years, we won the Big Ten and just the level of success we had, it was kind of, it was, it was amazing. And being able to be a part of that, not just the championship run, going to the championship game, but just the Big Ten championships, the winning, the rivalries. I mean, it was, it was amazing. And, 
you know, fast forwarding now to my coaching career, you know, coming to a place like Gonzaga that has had success like that and it have, has been able to sustain it for a lot longer, you know, that's been pretty cool too, you know. And now, like, coming here, like, the, the possibility is, you know, it's, it's, it's reality that, you know, there is a chance for, you know, me to get back as a coach and, you know, win a national championship. And it's funny because, you know, my senior year we lost North Carolina and three years ago, four years ago, you know, Gonzaga lost North Carolina. So I think we have the same type of animosity against North Carolina. So, you know, I think that motivation is still there too. <laughs> yeah, I, I know for a fact, because I obviously I live in Spokane as well. There is a lot of animosity towards North Carolina from Gonzaga fans. Some of it was um, evened out because Gonzaga beat North Carolina pretty badly in the kennel last season. Um, but that doesn't mean a whole lot when you look at it because Carolina had a down year. Gonzaga, you know, was a top 10 program throughout the season with a legitimate chance to, to make it to a Final Four. So it would be great to see Gonzaga as a former alum and player like myself make it back to the Final Four and win a title. It would be great to see you as a, as a part of that Gonzaga family now uh, have a chance to, to experience it from the coaching perspective. After you got done playing, you went over – sorry – after your college career, you kind of bounced around a number of, of professional leagues. You played some in the NBA. You played a little bit in, in the D League, which is now the G League. And you also went overseas in Europe. I've had so many conversations with guys that have played in Europe about <coughs> an experience or two that the normal person wouldn't understand what they went through. Matt Santangelo talked about one time there was a, uh, a player that was confronted during the middle of a game from the opposing team's owner went down on the court in the middle of a game and, and confronted a player. Do you have any experiences in Europe from your playing days that you just look back and like, did that just really happen? You know, man, I was really fortunate. Um, I had a great uh, agent, Herb Rudor in the performances. And, you know, he, he, he put me in some really good situations. You know, I played in uh, all the top leagues in cities that were really comfortable and, you know, for the most part, the organizations, you know, paid on time and um, embraced my wife and I. So, you know, I don't have any, like, crazy experiences. Only only situations that were different was all my injuries where I had surgery happened in Europe, you know. So, like, you know, I broke the roof of my mouth in a practice in Italy and I'm in a hospital and, like, no one speaks my language. And I was there for, like, a week, you know, and that was crazy. And then, you know, I go to – I play. I'm playing in France and – I break my orbital bone and I have to have surgery. I have three plates and 13 screws put in my face. And I'm in the hospital and like no one speaks my language. I had to have like a translator during surgery. Like those experiences were crazy in itself. So, you know, that was probably like the, 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 the most different experiences. Just having, having surgery in different countries where like not many people speak your language. But other than that, man, it was by far, you know, some of the best experiences of my life, you know. Like, I, I joke with people. I say, you know, my first year playing in Italy, um, you know, Tara and I, we, 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 we celebrate our anniversary, like, on the beach in, like, a nice Italian hotel spa. And it was, like, on our weekend that we were off. I'm like, how many young kids can say, they, you know, newlyweds get to celebrate your, your, your marriage anniversary like that? And, you know, and it was cool. And then the basketball aspect, I mean, it was, it was fun for me, you know. I played in the NBA a little bit. I didn't really get a lot of playing time. So, you know, going to a place like Italy, a top league there, and, and, and having 
a major role in all the teams I played on. And that was fun, you know, and to be able to, you know, make a good, good living doing it. You know, the interesting thing I find about your career path from playing to coaching is uh, a lot of guys play as long as they can, and rightfully so. Um, you know, it's something that most guys grew up loving. They wanted to play as long as they can. You were right around the age of 30, kind of hitting the peak of your career when you decided, you know what, I'm done. I want to get into coaching. And you took an opportunity to, to, to coach with Coach Bryce Drew at Valparaiso. What was it about that time of your life that made you decide, I'm going to go into coaching as opposed to continuing your playing career? Man, listen, you know, it, 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 to be honest, um, it was a God thing. Um, when I was 28 in my prime, I, uh, you know, my agent who was doing a good job, we had a pretty lucrative contract on the table uh, for some pretty substantial teams in Europe. And, you know, my agent felt like I had, a, I could have gotten back in NBA because my game was kind of on, you know, on this trajectory. And I just really felt like it was a part of God's plan for me um, to, to go into coaching. And, you know, reason being, I had a sports ministry that I ran in the off season and we had camps and different things that we did. And, you know, it was, it was, it was fun, man. Just the discipleship aspect that basketball afforded me, um, the skill development aspect, being able to, teach younger athletes to game and um you know i just i love doing that in the summers and each year like i would run that um i would go play but my heart was back there with the young men that i was working with and uh you know i i told my wife a year prior to me retiring i said if a place like valparaiso would open i would go coach there wasn't looking for it had no 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 like connection other than you know um bryce's brother-in-law we played against in uh italy and we kind of built a relationship so i like i really i didn't need to do it i wasn't really looking for it but i made that statement and a year later it just the opportunity kind of materialized and i was i was hit with the crossroads do i keep playing you know because it's really good money and you know i'm chasing a dream of mine to get back in nba and, and have a long career and be comfortable or do i walk away from playing and start a whole new career that I felt like God was leading me to do. And, you know, I prayed about it and Bryce offered me a job while I was in the playoffs in, in Germany, uh, doing really well. And I uh, just, you know, I said, Hey, I mean, I'm, I'm done. And I went from making a lot of money to making a very little amount, you know, the coach of Alpo. And, you know, the, the funny thing is, you know, when I made that decision, I mean, I'm 28, I'm in my prime, you know, was going to go coach. If things would have went south, you know, after a couple of years, like there's no way I could have gotten back to a level of play in Europe that I was or with the chance to get back in NBA. So basically it was a huge step of faith because, you know, I was putting everything into coaching and, you know, I'm happy I did because, I mean, I believe ultimately God blessed it. And now I look back and I see where my career has gone. Like I've never would imagine that I would be at this level of coaching. It really wasn't the plan. It was just basically a being obedient and following what I believe God was calling me to do. Knowing you a little bit um, before you got to, to Gonzaga as a coach and now having plenty of conversations over the last year and then just listening to, to your recent comments about how you transitioned from playing to coaching. Faith is obviously a very important part to you. Uh, of your life how does that impact your coaching your coaching philosophy and, and how you 
uh, help mentor young student athletes? You know, my faith is not a separate thing. Um, you know, like I am a, a child of God. I'm a born again believer. Um, Jesus Christ is, you know, my everything. And, and everything I do, whether that's raising my family, um, whether that's coaching, uh, whether that's being a friend, a mentor, everything I do is based upon like the foundation of my faith. And not that I'm perfect, man. I've had so many ups and downs. Um, you know, I had a, a really rough couple of years, you know, the last, our last couple of years at Vanderbilt, it was really hard on me, really hard on my family. But even in that, you know, one of my favorite verses that we have in my house is Romans 8:28. It says, all things work together for those who love God and are called according to his purpose. And, you know, even in my mistakes, even in my failures, like God is always working. And, you know, I really look at it as, you know, that's a part of my story. And coaching is a part of my story. And, and I really believe the gifts that God has given me, the influence God has given me is in college basketball. And I love it. So, you know, it's, it's, it's an opportunity for me to be a believer and do what I'm called to do while at the same time, you know, be in a basket, be in a locker room with guys, be on the court, be striving to win championships. So it's, it kind of motivates everything I do. And it's, there's, there's really no separation. You know, it's kind of, they all, they kind of go together. Obviously you grew up in the Midwest. You played at Illinois in the big 10, you coached in Valpo, which is the heart of the Midwest. And then at Vanderbilt, you're in the SEC. So your basketball kind of network is, is really in that Midwest in, in the SEC. You get to Gonzaga a little over a year ago as an assistant coach. Before you really had a chance to, to step foot on Gonzaga's campus and get to know people, get to know the community, what was your perception of Gonzaga basketball? And now, what is your perception of Gonzaga basketball now that you're in it? Um, I think like most people, you know, Gonzaga had this kind of unique – kind of hidden, you know, thing about it. Like, it was mysterious. Like, okay, how does Gonzaga, you know, grow to this powerhouse? Like, what's going on in Spokane? Where is Spokane? I didn't even know where Spokane was, you know? And what is it about Gonzaga that makes it so special? Like, they're the underdog, but yet, you know, they're going to Final Fours and they're they're going to, you know, consistent tournaments. So, like, I didn't know what to expect. All I knew was, you know, I heard that Coach Few was a great man and uh, extreme competitor. And, you know, I knew Tommy because, like, I coached a couple of teams, athletes, um, AIA, and, and Tommy would, would have some players on that team. And we, we met. We were, he did a clinic in Europe, and we met there. And, you know, so, so I kind of knew a little bit, you know. And when I got here, um, when I began to see – how things are run here, when I began to see the community and how the community supports this team, you know, it, it, it really, it really, I guess I would say that the, 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 the things I thought about Gonzaga, being a blue collar, being a underdog, being a big time program, but down to earth, like it's even better once I got here. And, you know, it's like, I tell people all the time, like coaching at Valpo, like when we were at Valpo and Bryce, Drew and I, we were winning and, what his dad did there, it was like, it was a family, you know, it was underdog, but we would win, you know, and, you know, we were, you know, just mid-major program that, you know, no one was bigger than the program. Everyone was treated with respect. 
the players were love, the the fan support supported us. It was awesome. I come to Gonzaga and it's like that same feel, that same family, blue collar, humble, you know, feeling, but yet on a scale of like a Duke, a Michigan State, a North Carolina, and there there are not many programs that you can say have that family, underdog, you know, down to earth feel, but yet on a top five program in the country scale. It's pretty unique. And I think that's what makes Gonzaga special. And I think that's why we've been able to have as much success is because we have forgotten who we are, but we've taken this thing to a whole nother level with the success we've had. Tremendous insight from you there on, on your thoughts about Gonzaga before arriving and, and how it's coincided with you being a part of it and wanting to continue to, to expand Gonzaga's horizons. You're an extreme competitor. Nobody gets to the level of, of athletic playing career that you did without being that way. So as a competitor, I can only imagine that you have your own career aspirations. And for any coach, that would be to be a head coach and run your own program at the time at some point. When do you feel you will be ready? Um, and what would you be looking for? Not that you're looking to leave Gonzaga because every coach kind of has to go through checks and balances of learning a program, how to build a program, a sustainable program, and you have to be ready. Um, but what are your career aspirations and how are you preparing yourself for when the time comes and you're right and it's, and it's right? You know, I, I, I don't want to sound like I'm not motivated or, you know, I'm not driven because I am, but, Truth be told, like, I don't really have any career aspirations. Um, you know, I, I am focused on where I am now. And where I am now is at Gonzaga, you know. Like, I want to win a national championship here. I want to help Coach Few win a championship. I want to build these young men. I want to mentor these young men. You know, I want to support the rest of our staff. I want to support the community. I really want to dive into Spokane and just build long-lasting relationships. And I want to glorify Christ, you know in Spokane and in Gonzaga. I think in that, you know, I'll be able to glorify him in the whole nation because we're going to win on a high level. A high level. With that being said, I do believe um, that my future entails being a head coach. Um, I believe coming to Gonzaga was a huge step for me to grow. Um, seeing the way that Coach Few runs this program, seeing the Gonzaga motto and seeing how much success we've been able to have. Like, I think it's prepared me even more for that next step of being a head coach. Um, you know, I've had opportunities uh, in the last, I mean, this is my 10th year coach, and I've had opportunities to be a head coach, and I just haven't felt like I was quite ready. Um, but now, after going through what I went through at Vanderbilt, you know, seeing the downsides of coaching, you know, going through what I went through at Valpo, building a program, having a ton of success, and then coming here and coaching with Coach View and seeing the Gonzaga way, I believe I'm just being prepared even more for that next step of being a head coach. And now, to be honest, like if there was an opportunity that I felt comfortable with, um, obviously through prayer and my family felt like it fit us, like I would feel comfortable doing it. Um, I feel like I'm ready. Um, I feel like I still need to grow. I don't think you've ever arrived at being a coach because coaching is more than basketball. It's running a program. It's leading men. It's being an ambassador in the community. And I think I'm consistently growing in that. But right now, if I were – you know, offered an opportunity that I felt was right, like I would feel comfortable doing it. But in the meantime, like I'm focused on being here and I'm focused on, you know, Jalen Suggs and Dominic Harris and 
Aaron Cook and, you know, Joel, you know, Corey Kispert, like these guys here, that's my number one priority is seeing them grow and seeing them have success. That's uh, obviously uh, well, well thought out because I think there's a lot of times that I've seen being around college sports uh, in basketball in particular, so many times people jump at the first opportunity as opposed to the right opportunity when they're ready. Um, and I don't have any hesitancy knowing that at some point the right opportunity will come for you. But when you're a head coach, you're the one who has to kind of sift through all of the recommendations and the ideas that are thrown at you by an assistant coach. While you're an assistant, what type of feedback do you try to bring to a head coach knowing that there's four, five, six other staff members that are coming up with suggestions or ideas for the head guy that has to sift through. What, what is your thought process when you come up with, whether it's an in-practice uh, recommendation or an in-game recommendation? You know, I think one of the, 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 the biggest things that I have learned um, from Coach Few, and this is actually going along the lines of, you know, being a, a head coach in the future, um, he does such a good job of, giving us as assistants the freedom to be creative and to do our jobs and do it well. And I think he has a level of trust in us. Um, obviously, you know, Tommy Lloyd's been here with him forever. Um, Brian Michelson's been here with him forever. And I'm the new guy, but I didn't feel like a new guy. I felt like he had as much trust in, in me that he had in Brian Michelson, Tommy Lloyd. And he just, he just, he just gives you the freedom to, to do your job and you know obviously he gives you feedback you know he's 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 always in his own way teaching you you know and 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 and, and he's in his own way demanding a level of excellence but it's still done with giving us freedom and, and i think that freedom allows me just to be creative and just to give him ideas that i have from my experiences and um what i've learned from a coach what i've learned from playing uh, so when I, when I think of feedback, you know, and, 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 you know, given my side of, you know, my limited understanding as opposed to what Coach Few has, you know, it's just, you know, it's just from my experiences, man. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm really big in defense. You know, I, 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 for eight years with Bryce, like I was, I was over our defense. Um, and then the skill development side, you know, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm big in that. So my, my gifts, my abilities, my expertise, like I'm, I'm, Whenever he asks, like, I'm willing to implement it. And then when he gives me my, my responsibilities, I, I own it. I take ownership. And the cool thing about our staff, man, we all work really, really well together. So we're always looking for new ideas. And that makes – I think that makes everything go really well and smoothly. With all the success that you've had around the game of college basketball, playing in a Final Four in a championship game, uh, getting to the NCAA tournament with Valparaiso, getting to the NCAA tournament with, with Gonzaga – is there one experience or one moment that you look back and say, that was amazing? Mm. You know, it's crazy, man. There's, there's, there's been so many. Um, I can't really target one. You know, I'll probably go back as a player. You know, I would say coming back down 14 with like three minutes to go against Arizona in, in, in the Elite Eight, then make it into the Final Four. And like, that was amazing. You know, my, my, uh, the first game against Louisville, you know, scoring like 18 points in the second half and, and, and helping lead uh, Illinois to the national championship game in a place they never gone before. That was amazing. And then, you know, uh, at Valpo, um, you know, it, it, 
it was in the NCAA tournament my, my last year that we were there. But, you know, we, we beat St. Mary's, you know, to go to the Final Four of the NIT. And then we made it to the Final Four, the, the NIT final game in Madison Square Garden. And just that whole experience, like, we, we made it fun for our players. And it was probably, you know, three of the, my best days as a coach because these guys were loose. And they just enjoyed the experience, you know. And it wasn't a simple term because we didn't get that large bid, but you know, we still won thirty games, and and these guys had a great experience. That, and then you know, coming here, you know, coming here last year, and not knowing what to expect. This is not one experience, but like you know, we thought we were going to have a down year, and then looking up at our looking at our record, and we're thirty one and two going into the tournament. We're ranked two in the country. It's like, how does that happen? You know what I'm saying? And winning the you know conference tournament championship this year against St. Mary's, you know, basically winning our last game, which only teams that get do that is teams that win the national championship. Uh, you know, that was, that was special. So there's been so many, I can't just say one, but all of them just feed that desire to keep, keep going and keep pushing and, 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 and keep, you know, hunting for success and experiences for our players. Coach, I really appreciate the time. Roger Powell, you've been tremendous uh, talking about some of your playing experiences, your, your coaching experiences, and your coaching aspirations, some of the mentors that have poured into to your time and your life, and you continue to pour into others. It's phenomenal to see. I'm glad that we were able to connect, not just in Spokane, but on this podcast. So uh, appreciate you joining the ISO with Dan Dickow and SB Live Sports. Appreciate you. Thank you, Dan. The ISO with Dan Dickow and SB Live Sports, brought to you by the Believe Podcast Network, the number one podcast network for professionals. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.